Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to Zone Time, everybody. I'm Julian. Avery's here. Sam is here. And Arun is here tapping in for Tic Tac Tomar, who is probably still inconsolable after last week's events. Uh, since those events, uh, obviously we're talking about the Leafs being eliminated from the uh, postseason. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs have since had their locker clean-out day. A whole bunch of people spoke. Arun was there. I guess we can kind of start off from that and then kind of, you know, dissect what's been said and kind of interpret a few things. Arun, since you were there, can you kind of describe what you saw, how everyone was feeling, some of those noteworthy things that were said at uh, the exit interviews uh, conducted by the Toronto Maple Leafs with the media, of course? Yeah, of course. Um, Yeah, so I just got back from um, the Leafs practice facility. Uh, I would say there seems to be like a real like disconnect. um, Or rather, there's been a disparate response between how I guess the players respond and how management responded. You know, players are generally in a pretty good mood. Um, I think headlined by Austin Matthews and William Nylander saying they both want extensions. I think Nylander had a slightly different approach where he's just like, look, like, I clearly want to be here, but we still have a year left in our contracts. And sort of, I thought that was sort of, you know, smartly done, you know, sort of intentional. People are saying, well, if these guys don't have their deals by July 1st, it's over. That's not the case. They have a year to negotiate. Matthews clearly wants to be back. Nylander wants to be back. Um, you know, Mitch Marner went into and sort of shared about how, you know, being a Toronto-born kid, he used to be glued to watching TSN, and now he doesn't watch any media at all. Um, but he sort of really just tried to... <laughs> Stop, wait, time out, time out, time he played, out. He played time up the time hometown. Time, like time the- out, time out. Okay, I know you got a lot to say here. Can we please call Cap on, on Mitch Marner, say he doesn't care about media, he doesn't pay attention to what we say. Can we please call Cap on that? Just no, stop. You don't need to call Cap on stop. it, because it's, it's his prerogative. Who cares? Yes, but even then, but like, stop. Like, we like saying yeah. that you don't care sometimes means that you care. And that's what we're getting from Mitch well, Barter from this. And that's what yeah. we're getting from Mitch Barter that, that other time when he was all like, oh, we don't care what you say on the outside. You care. You do. Yeah. And it's okay if you do. But I'm just tired of athletes trying to put up this whole front, being all like, we don't care about what y'all say. But it's very clear we you do care what we say. I and I feel like Mitch Barter, when he does that stuff, it, it's it's cap. That's I have to say that. Of course I just it want is. That. I mean, even if he doesn't care, his dad and his agent certainly care. Oh, well, yeah. This thank you. This thank you. They care. Julie, this point is secondary to what I'm trying to say here, though, man. Like, I understand. Does... I understand. I just want that said, and I'm sorry for cutting you off. Please go ahead. Please yeah, continue. like, no, none of that really seems to matter. But he was really just trying to play up the, like, you know, I've lived in Toronto my whole life. Like, he wants to be a career Maple Leaf. So, and then Tavares said, again, like, because, you know, he has a no-movement clause. He is not going to waive it. Like, it just, he kind of was like, when people were like, well, would you be, like, sort of amenable to it? He's like, I signed a seven-year commitment. And so 
I think the players were generally in a good mood to watch the standing. I think with Michael Bunting, he seemed to sort of indicate that, like, he's leaving it up to his agent. He said, like, while well, he loved playing in Toronto, um, he seems to be gone. So my sense is that, like, Bunting and Riley are gone. Um, Nolachari had his media availability at the same time as Morgan Riley. Um, so I didn't really get anything from him. But the players were generally in, like, actually like, a pretty good mood. You know, it sucks that they couldn't move on. But there's sort of optimism that the group will remain together entirely different story with Leafs management however it was it was I wouldn't quite say grim but I do think you know not to play pop psychologist but I do think Sheldon Keefe seems like he's going to be the one who gets the axe like he looked defeated today he looked like he is mentally exhausted um you know both him and Kyle Dubas spoke about how it was a missed opportunity um especially in regards to like the Panthers beating the Bruins like they look at them sort of the, how the board played out you know, this should have been the year, right? It's sort of how, like, Federer would never won the French Open had Robin sort of, like, not been Nadal. Well, the same sort of deal sort of applies here. Um, then Kyle Dubas went, and it was straight up, just like, I'm either going to be the Maple Leafs GM or I'm not taking another job. And he cited how difficult it was on his family this season, um, which I guess is something that gets lost in, like, you know, being in a big market. Like, yeah, like, we all care. There's two of us zone time regulars who are like Maple Leafs fans and journalists hybrid, I guess. Um, but it's tough. Like I evidently it's been really tough on his family. And I believe that, um, you know, he, what also I thought was striking is Dubas didn't quite give Sheldon Keefe a vote of confidence. He sort of paused and then spoke about how, which again, I don't, I don't believe this part. If you want to call cap, you can call cap on this, but like Dubas said that he has like more confidence in Keith now because he made adjustments to game four and five, which again, I don't think holds up whatsoever, but it was like a pretty like tepid sign of support. So all to say that I'm not sure what, what Dubas' decision is going to be like. I genuinely believe he's going to consult with his family, but given that Keith didn't really get like a ringing sort of vote of confidence aside. And on top of that, he just looks like mentally exhausted um, I think there, if there is someone to fall, I don't think any of the core four players are getting traded, but I do think Keith uh, sort of falls in the axe here. So, yeah, I think that is my long-winded summary. I think the players are generally in a good mood and want to be with each other. Um, but if there is a change, I think it starts with Sheldon Keith. Okay. Let's kind of make this more round table now with dissecting everything that you've said, our own outside perspectives. I'll start with Avery and then we can all kind of jump in here. But like, when you, when you hear some of these comments coming out from Toronto, you look at how the year ended, you think of all the jokes in the background, the core four, what do you think has to happen with this team going forward? Oh. Uh, and then I Sam just, could hop in too. First of all, like, disappointing because it's another year in which you hit a brick wall. I mean, not in the first round, but in the second round, when you were the, you were the higher seed, you're supposed to do better than this. But I don't know... I really am at a loss right now because this should have been the team that was going to go further to a conference final or maybe to a cup final. I do think, I, I, I of course, you know, Tavares is back, Matthews will be back. I don't see how Sheldon Keefe returns. I think, you know, the scapegoat is Sheldon Keefe. I think his coaching time is worn out in Toronto. But what I don't think, I saw this argument a lot of is, oh, bring in a tyrant, bring in Daryl Sutter, bring in a hard, no. Those what? kind of coaches, the shuffling for those coaches is maybe two, three years at the most. Those old tyrant type of coaches will not connect with this roster or any roster around the, around the league. The they answer, already had that coach. Yeah. <laughs> they had that coach. It didn't go well. 
like the the answer is not a coach whose peak came in 1995 it isn't but i'm also curious like where like i don't know the coaching tree of the assistants really well with toronto but like who do you bring in because you can't bring in a tyrant you can't bring in an old fogey do you do you let like an assistant or whoever is coaching the marlies right now coach or do you purely get a, an external hire or someone on the outside? Like, I mean, people in Calgary, for example, want Andrew Burnett, for example. Like, is is that the guy who gets the most out of that? But is is considering the offense that the team is able to generate in the regular season, is that the fit? Like, I'm, I'm very curious if they let go of Sheldon Keefe, which I think is the right thing to do. I'm very curious about, like, where that next option is going to be. But it's unfortunate for Sheldon because of what he's done the regular season. But considering you can't, you can't really move on from John Tavares – William Nylander might be the easiest piece of the core four to move. Do you really want to do that? If you move on from Austin Matthews, you might as, might as well start deconstructing the roster right away. Is Mitch Marner the guy who's going to move at the salary that he has? The easiest thing to do is to get rid of Sheldon Keefe. And it seems like off of what Arun has been saying and what other people are saying, it feels like we should just be waiting any day now until that decision is made. That's the way it seems, man. I mean, I think they've projected. I think to answer your question, I think internally, like Spencer Carberry might, if they want to promote from within, might be the guy. Uh, you know, Manny Maholtro was the lead assistant on the bench. You know, does his lack of head coaching experience or hurt him? I'm not sure. Um, but again, this being the Toronto Maple Leafs and being a, you know, huge market job with a lot of talent on it, I think it would be an attractive option for a lot of other coaches. Uh, I do, you know, wholeheartedly agree with the idea that they're not going to go for a hard line uh, disciplinarian like Daryl Sutter they've already had that guy as Sam said like they've already had that I think they need to find sort of the happy medium between a player's coach like Keith and um, sort of a, I guess a relic of the past in Babcock like, who is that is that Gerald you know is that Gerard Gallant who knows you know but uh, you know I would like to, as we said last week I would like sort of the coaching search to be like expanded to as many candidates as possible you know if Keith's gone widen that net for sure who knows? It might be like an outside of the box thinker that we haven't even considered. But it, again, like it does seem that it starts with Keith. Like, and to your point, like if you're going to not retain Austin Matthews, what's the point of team building anyway? Like, what's the what's the point of it all? I think we get so caught up in like what pieces are next, what big moves are next, contracts, all this. If you don't want to build your team around Austin Matthews, Miss Marner, there's no point even building a team to start with. Yeah, you might have to move on. Let's hold some of those thoughts on Mitch and Austin for a second because. There is a weird thing I kind of want to do. I didn't write in the notes immediately, but I wonder if it's too early or maybe now's the right time to do who stays, who goes. Like, I, I, maybe it's maybe it is too early. Maybe it's very hard for us to do, but I think it's worth asking those questions with at least six people. So you look basically at the core four and then Sheldon Keith, and then Kyle Dubas. And I think we're all, unless Sam has a different thinking, I think we're all unanimous in saying that Sheldon Keith probably has to go. Am I yeah. wrong? I think he has to go, but only because someone has to go. And not for any re not for any really good reason other than I I think optics and just the feeling that something has to be done. But like I think people for in all the hand wringing, like it's not like Florida is. I I appreciate the point difference, and that Florida squeaked in, but like Florida is an underperforming team in the regular season. Like they, this, let's not pretend this wasn't the President's Trophy winner last year. Yeah, 
right? Like they, they were a team that did worse than everyone expected. They, and they upset Boston, like upset Boston, but it wasn't like, it wasn't something that should be like a massive surprise. It wasn't, it's not a Cinderella run by any means. That is a good team. They're a good team. They made a massive change in the offseason. Like one massive change in the offseason just changed every well, technically two, because they changed coaches. But like the biggest one we'll think we'll think of is the Kachuk trade. And it has obviously benefited to them to this point. It could be the greatest trade in franchise history. It's good that you guys mentioned that because those examples were cited at the end of your press conference, both like, you know, point that like, look, we're gonna explore all options. And then he cited the Chuck trade um as you know, yeah, sort of like a I can't believe I'm losing the word as a precedent. There you go. And Keith did sort of cite like several times, not even just today, but throughout the series that the Panthers won the president's trophy. Um, I do think if there is an argument beyond hand wringing to get rid of Keith is that he got comprehensively outcoached by John Cooper in two series, including this one where they won and Paul Maurice, you know, this idea that, you know, Keith, if, if there is sort of this growing notion that he tends to overthink matchups and, I think that was certainly true. Uh, this playoff run, uh, last playoff run, you know, so he's not, he's not a bad coach, but he like, he has a sort of this reactive style, you know, like focusing on how do we mitigate Sam Bennett's impact when you have Austin Matthews seems like just like the height of overthinking. Um, so if there is like sort of a tactical reason to get rid of him, I think that would be it. Okay. What about Kyle Dubas? It seems like you, you did mention the fact that uh, he would either want to stay as Toronto GM or just take some time away. Uh, I wonder if in his case, if it's worth him moving on and just doing something else, or if it's worth keeping him as a GM or you, you get him to do something else. I, I wonder what his future will be. Uh, it seems like there's no shortage of teams who might be interested if he somehow puts himself on the market, there are some vacancies opening up and already open as we've seen over the last few days, whether you're looking at Calgary or Pittsburgh, but I mean, Kyle Dubas seemed like a tired man. I mean, if you go through what he's gone through over the last how many years as GM as, as attractive of a job as that is, it's a lot of losing, a lot of disappointment, a lot of cameras in your face, a lot of interviews. I, I sympathize with the fact that this has taken a toll on him and a toll on his family. And while I think he stays, I really wonder how close he gets to just taking a moment and saying, I'm just going to take some time off. I really wonder how close he gets to that point. Because I'd be very I'd be very surprised if he goes down that route, but I won't be completely surprised, just considering how tough the job is. Anyone in that position would probably go through something similar like what Kyle went through. That's that's how I see it. Arun, what do you think? After today, I mean, I think that's like abundantly clear. He he said in on no uncertain terms, it's either the Leafs or he's taking a year off. So I think this would have been sort of a more interesting framework, you know, five hours ago, because then you, you could have sort of speculated on the idea that he could move into, you know, a president of hockey operations role with the Flames or the Pittsburgh Penguins. Those possibilities, if we take Dubas' word at face value, seem to be ruled out. So I really do think it is sort of more more binary now where it's he's either the Leafs GM or he's taking that year off. And he, he really did like stress that this is a serious thing. He needs some time. Also, I mean, read into it what you will, but he took the podium alone without Brendan Shanahan. And he basically said that, you know, this is by design because it's on him. He said, it's on me very succinctly, the, you know, this loss. And it's, it's true. I mean, he built this roster, you know, this roster is entirely his making, right? So 
I think he does feel all the way to that. I mean, he did call out a reporter by name. I'm not going to mention him because I thought that was unfair, but he did call out a reporter by name saying, I didn't know they were doing surveillance on me. You know, it's sort of like on the record now that we know that Kyle Dubis rages at games and he's a very emotional guy and he sort of defended that emotion, which I didn't think he had to. I mean, you're a general manager of a team, you know, like wild out if you need to. But um, yeah, like it, it's very clear that this, you know, the cumulative toll of running a team that is underperformed expectations of the playoffs time and again is really just taking a toll on him because what else is there to do? You know, he's built a really great roster. So all this to say that I really do believe that it's either the Leafs or bust for him. And yeah, I mean, he would, he would receive several offers on the open market. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever based on his age and pedigree and sort of like inclination to make like bold trades. I think he would be an attractive candidate, but I really do think it's the Leafs or bust. I will say though, it is funny that he acknowledged the fact that people do pay attention when he rages from his, his box yeah. and I do I do know the reporter he he mentioned by name and just as someone just seeing the tweet I thought it might have been a funny thing but it seems like the way you're describing it was more snarky it was very snarky and that's a, and the reporter he called out is a very good reporter across several yes. different sports so I didn't think that was slightly fair. biased but yes he is he is so I didn't think it was it was fair but I mean then again I mean does he owe us as media fairness not really so it is what it is Okay. What about you, Avery? What do you think about Kyle Dubas and and whether or not he should stay? Uh, I would love. I, you know, I've I've always thought he'll lose with a brilliant, brilliant GM, but you know, I'm I'm surprised at the Toronto bus thing because I really do think he considers maybe Calgary, maybe Pittsburgh. I don't know. I don't know if, about the whole bus thing. I wouldn't surprise me if we do see him at the Saddle Dome and Julian saying, oh, God, Kyle Dome time. I'm going to talk to Kyle I would Dubas. be stunned beyond belief. <laughs> if Kyle <laughs> Dubas wanted to join the Calgary Flames and what they have right now, I'd be, I'd, my first question would be why? Like, seriously, why? <laughs> why would you Why would you go from the organization in Toronto, which people have vaunted for years about all the resources that are available to mm-hmm. you, all the advancements in, in advanced stats and all of these other different aspects, living in Toronto, and I would be like, why would you why would you come to Calgary where you are not getting the same thing? The ownership does not have the same amount of, or at least the willingness to spend the same amount of money, the same way MLSE would not to mention, I mean, yes, you have a roster that is basically looking at a cup or bus situation, but the, I mean, you're going from one difficult salary cap situation mm-hmm. to another, like why I'm not saying it's, it's not an attractive job because there are other candidates who I'm sure who would love that job, but I would love to know from Kyle Dubas, why that job it's not to say it's a bad job i just would i would i would ask like why like why that job anyway no. i just want that said fair but i think more likely it'd be pittsburgh more likely pittsburgh i think could be more of a job again talk about resources Fenway sports group money there is like water they print like water in pittsburgh right now the ownership group. so i think more likely if he does leave it's, it's go to pittsburgh i think than calgary sam what do you think i agree with the rune i think i don't think he's i don't think he's bullshitting about it like I think it's either beliefs and he sees the job that he's started and carried this full way I think he wants to see that job done or he's taking a break it doesn't make sense to me for him to quit that job with where they're at now to go to another franchise like if he's tired he needs a break it's it's not to start with a team that's worse off than the team he's built to date like it's I think it's patently clear that he still cares a lot about this team and to me, I think when you still care that much, it's either time to step away or to finish the job. 
it's one or the other. Like there's no point going somewhere else. I like that. What about Austin Matthews? Let's start getting to some of the players. I mean, everyone is going to focus on whether or not he comes back. I mean, he says he wants to come back, but like, I want a million dollars. Avery probably wants a lifetime supply of fedoras. <laughs> Sam probably wants a, a day of peace on Twitter. Or Arun, you what are you what desire do you want? I mean, look, I'll just I'll just say this in defense of like Austin Matthews. Like it, like I don't see like why you wouldn't believe him. Like he's gonna he's one of the eight players in the league where you give him a blank check. Like this I again, like I'm sort of like just like maybe 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 because I've covered the team, I'm too close to it, but it just seems like such a bizarre notion that like the Leafs would let him walk. He's one of those like 20 year, like one franchise players. And maybe those are becoming, you know, increasingly rare. But like, what's again, like, what's the point of building a team if you can't retain Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner? It just like it, it defies all logic. So, again, like this is um, it's not like he's playing in a small market. Like, I know there's a salary cap and all, but he plays in a wealthy organization that prints money like this shouldn't really money really is no obstacle for Austin Matthews, and Mitch Marner, you know, for William Nylander, too. Like, I thought Nylander again, like he has one year left on a team friendly deal and he wants to be back but he also was like guys like i have one more year left under contract like so you know that and on top of that they both have no movement clauses that kick in if they're on the team past july 1st matthews with a full no movement nylander with a 10 team no movement so i think that does matter but yeah like do i think the leafs are gonna have any problems signing austin matthews like barring like them just completely like collapsing out of the gate next year and like finishing like towards the bottom of the Atlantic division i can't I can't even foresee a path where, you know, that the, the teams can't find an agreement. Like, will he, like, will other markets have a laugh at him eventually become the highest paid player in the league? Like, maybe, but I I truly can't see a path where a player of his pedigree, his age, you know, I mean, look, he was he, he was the hard trophy winner last year. If a down season for Austin Matthews constitutes 85 points in 74 games while leading all forwards and block shots in the regular season and the playoffs like what what is the issue like am i seeing this with just least colored classes like you guys tell me oh i i understand and, and i i've i've been consistent in thinking that like i'd be stunned if he left it's just when you go through the the trials and tribulations with the leaves as he has i think it's a fair question to ask and yes i understand he he, he has a one year one year left on his deal and william nylander saying the same thing but we just saw last year not to bring up Matthew Kachuk again, but a guy who had a year left on his deal and a team realizing, okay, they needed to get something for him as opposed to just leaving it late and maybe getting a lesser offer or letting him walk for nothing, as that same team also experienced with another superstar that they lost in the offseason. It feels like now, maybe because of that, maybe not, but we are going to wonder aloud about guys on with one year's left on one year left on their deals and if teams are going to do everything they can to sign them. And it's not saying they can't sign them, but... For a guy like Austin Matthews, as you said, who should be a lifer for one franchise, he holds a lot of cards in this situation. And while I imagine he definitely wants to be back, and I'm sure if Kyle Dubas is, is, is going to remain the GM, he's going to want to do everything in his power to do that. I do wonder, though, in the salary cap world that we live in, does that play a role? Does that hurt? Does that hurt anything? Maybe he, uh, I'm pretty sure if I were to put a percentage on it, 85% chance he stays. But if he doesn't stay, or if he if they leave that unsigned into next season, then it's going to get really interesting. It's going to be like that's going to hover. Oh, like Toronto media on mass will just like 
they're going to hound him over that like every possible moment. Every market he goes into, he will be asked that question. Toronto, Arizona games. It's not, you could... it's not any different than the last time we did this, right? Like, right. I literally feel like we just did this with Mitch Marner. Like, we did. it's not it's not anything different. I think for me, the Calgary comparison makes sense. But for the fact that in this situation, he's, he's Johnny Gaudreau in this situation. But he's not Johnny Gaudreau in that he clearly wants to win. And I'm like, sorry, I'm not saying Johnny Gaudreau doesn't want to win, but like choosing Columbus is a bizarre thing to do, right? Like it is. He's not going, I don't see him doing that. No, no. I, I, like, where if, like, if where I'll... is he going to go? Where is he going to go where they can afford him and where he can win? That is not where he is right now. You have to, basically, if you're a team that sees a possibility, like if Austin Matthews said, I mean, I don't know how he could say this without any kind of tamper going off, but like, let's just play NBA rules for a second. Like if Austin Matthews, like somewhere, like kind of made some kind of hit, he would love to go to LA, for example, or somewhere through the grapevine, like his representation sort of says that you're LA, you essentially have to look at your roster and be like, you got to go, you got to go, you got to go because we're clearing salary. That would be kind of fun for us to watch. I think that'd be cool, but also a pipe dream at this point, because if it got to that point, like, I don't know. I, I you're right. I it is it is a bit nonsensical, but it is kind of fun to wonder about a world whether or not Austin Matthews tr- like could somehow pick his own destination. The damn salary cap just ruining everything. Avery, what do you think? Yeah, I think Matthews stays. I don't see Matthews leaving Toronto. He's he's shown many times before he likes being a Maple Leaf. He likes the city. He likes the attention. You see him out and about summertime. You know, he's always around the city. So. I'd be shocked if Matthews leaves, even for a bigger market, even for like a New York or LA, I'd be shocked if he were to go. He enjoys being a city boy out in that city in Toronto so much. So he, uh, yeah, I think Avery's right. Like he's, he doesn't strike me in LA. It, yes. It's a bigger market, but like, sorry, no one actually cares about the Kings, right? Like, Not like the Dodgers. You know, Kings fans cares, care about the Kings, but they don't care what mm-hmm. you do off ice, right? Like they all live in Hermosa beach. It's a different thing. Like he strikes me as the type of, he wants to be the big fish in the big pond. He doesn't mm-hmm. want to be a little fish in a big pond. That's a good point. And I mean, if he goes to LA or we're just using LA, LA as an example, but like the Dodgers, the Lakers, the angels who still have Shohei Otani, like he would just be like a smaller mm-hmm. figure in a, really big pond with so much ego and superstardom. Mike Trout, I didn't even mention Mike Trout. You get what I'm saying. Look, look, the most popular athletes in Toronto are either Austin Matthews, Vladdy Guerrero Jr., maybe Pascal Siakam, just because the NBA is just broadly more popular than other sports. But, like, he is arguably the most popular athlete in a city that has three major, you know, North American men's professional franchises. Like, in the cities, in the country's largest city. Like, he it's exactly that. Like, he likes being a celebrity, but there's a difference to being a celebrity in Toronto and a difference between a celebrity in New York or LA, where he would be a C-list celebrity in those cities and he's an A-list celebrity here. C That's is true. generous. Right. C is generous. C is generous, but you know, I think the least support I need afford some generosity after the month they've had. So yeah. Was there anyone from the core four who like people have to wonder if they're going to leave? Like Nylander, Marner, Tavares, like, could we re- like if they go through this offseason and the core four stays and they let just like their free agents walk, like, is that good? Is that's not change? That's not them say that's not, I don't think that's change. I don't think that's that's essentially them running it back. 
if they, if everyone stays. Well, if there's two guys that are going to be gone, I mean, I, I thought the Leafs might retain him, but based on today, it seems like Ryan O'Reilly is not coming back, and it looks like Michael Bunting is not coming back. But either. but but again, that like that's still yeah. running it back. Like I guess those those two guys did mean as much as they could to the team, but I don't see those as like major changes. Like Michael Bunting filled a role on that top line, and he did a good job. But you could find someone else to fill in that role. Ryan O'Reilly yeah. was a good veteran you were able to trade for, and it was cool to see him as a Toronto Maple Leaf. But is that like a really hard structural change? I don't know. I don't I think guess, that is. I guess the counter is like, do you make a change for the sake of change? Like, do you trade William Nylander at seventy-five percent of his market value just to sort of performatively show that you've made a difference? Like, I, I don't know what the answer is. And I think, as Omar said <laughs> last week. I thought it was really good. Like this team, it drives you crazy to the point where it almost makes you not believe in advanced stats because like, once again, they like, they have a good enough team. Like, again, it, it sounds like an apologist lens to say that none of these guys should be traded, but like, would you get fair market value for any of those core four guys? I don't think so. Well, and who are you going to bring in? Who's like for sure better. That's and what I mean. Make a difference, right? Like what, what are you going to do with that? It's they're right. at the stage where it's it's a really good core. I don't know that you could I don't know how you improve on that. And you look at you look at Tampa before they won, you look at Washington before they won, you look at Colorado before they won. They stuck with their cores, despite people being like they're not gonna make it. But then you obviously the risk is you're the San Jose Sharks and you never make it. But that's that's sports. Like, what are you gonna do? You know, yes. but like, I, oh, sorry, you go ahead, Avery. You know what the real issue is, according to a former NHL player, their wardrobes and oh their quote unquote, and their and their quote unquote oh. their man purses, mad sexist, by the way. But yeah, that's that is that's the issue. What they wear the ring, that's what's hurting. Their, that's why they're soft. Stupid oh argument. Where's the correlation? Idiotic my... argument to have. Oh God! I, I'm not even going to dignify the the tweeter of that tweet with any more breath. But here's the counterpoint. One thing that Avery has been able to gloat about the fact that the Seattle Kraken have gone way farther than anyone could have ever predicted. One of the biggest reasons why they've been able to do that is because of the balanced lineup that they've been able to put out throughout the playoffs. Their goaltending is is very up and down. Philip Grubauer maybe still a little bit suspect, but they have enough depth on every line. Every year when the Leafs get beat, what is the one thing we point out every year? They get beat by some other team that has everything on every line. Tampa Bay has those core of players, but they also draft really well, and they were able to find players who could play well on the second, on the third, and on the fourth line. They're, and they were able to plug in some really good free agents to make that happen. Uh, uh, like, if you're going to move on from a guy like William Nylander, I don't necessarily think it's a matter of finding a guy who is going to fit in that core four. It's a matter of getting a bunch of pieces who you can throw up and down the lineup to make it better. At the end of the day, I think the biggest thing that's holding this team back is just they don't have a lineup that like a Tampa. And I get they were eliminated in the first round, but they were really banged up. But that's a team that when they play at their best, they can roll all four lines and beat you. I don't know if the Toronto Maple Leafs have all that. They tried to do that. I don't think it was all that evident in this postseason. And if they, and, and we could disagree if you want, but like if they were to go along, and I'm not saying trade Nylander for fourth liners, get solid contributing pieces, contributing pieces that you can put up and down the lineup to make it more balanced. 
That's what I think you're trying to do if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, and we've seen other teams, including the ones who have tried very hard to get to this point, that's what they've done. They've eventually got to a point where they were able to construct a perfect lineup. They did stick with their cores to a certain degree, but they made the necessary changes. I think there is an opportunity for the Leafs to, to, to get to that level. I just think, though, if you don't do anything with this core four, like, like what's the point? Like you've 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 trotted them out for the last like pretty much since John Tavares signed. You've trod them out year in year out, and it has led you to either a first round exit or whatever happened this year. Like, so you I have just, to do something. It just dawned upon me now, and it probably shouldn't have. But there's just one glaring difference between all of that. Is that and it sort of reveals one of the Maple Leafs' fatal flaws is that the Leafs aren't really good at developing their own talent. Like. And I think Tampa Bay especially was much better at internally developing their prospects and their players or finding just gems out of nowhere, like Yanni Gord out of nowhere. Like they, they, that's sort of been like the sort of one drawback of Dubas' tenure. Like sure. Matthew Nice was one of his best draft picks ever, but like, you know, in broad terms, the Maple Leafs aren't really a team that develops like top level talent. You know, you can't count, the three of the core four that they drafted because they were all top eight picks that, you know, that's, there's no real sort of element of surprise there, but that is sort of the Leafs Achilles heel. Like historically, they haven't really developed internally. So that is sort of the idea right around the big four that you got these big four contracts to take up 50% of your cap. You'll start drafting some players that will sort of fill in those spots, entry-level contracts. And by and large, it hasn't been true which leads people to believe that all the other sort of improvements are going to have to be made via free agency or via big trade, which again, I see why they're doing that, but it sort of excuses the idea that the Leafs just can't develop talent and they need to do a better job of that. That's for sure. Absolutely. Um, We don't have this much time. uh, So we kind of got to get to the the other Canadian team that got eliminated over the weekend, uh, which is kind of unfortunate for us because it means Avery no longer gets to cover any more playoff games, at least in Edmonton. Uh, what do we make of that situation there? Because they did worse than they did last year. They had Mike Smith last year. They it looked as if the moves they had made at the deadline, getting guys like Nick Bukestad and Matias Ekholm was supposed to work. Stuart Skinner, we've been singing his praises throughout this season as well, even though they signed Jack Campbell and it doesn't seem as if that's going to work that well. But they still get bounced in the second round. They got beat by a really good Vegas team. But Avery, what do you think of the fact that you know, the Oilers are done in the second round the way that they were they were bounced. Uh, disappointing. Disappointing in many areas. They struggled to score at 5-1-5 consistently in the series against Vegas. They had a hard time in games 1-3-5 and five against the Vegas forecheck and had a hard time maintaining the lead. Cody Ceci and Darnell Nurse didn't look great as a pairing once again. And other guys outside of McDavid, uh, Drysdale and Bouchard struggled to step up. We, we saw the struggles of Evander Kane, of uh, Ryan Nugent-Hopkins, of uh, Keller Yamamoto. Guys who want to see step up more in the postseason didn't appear as much as you want to. And Jay Woodcroft was outcoached by Bruce Cassie in this matchup. So it's unfortunate to see the window was still open. But dang, this was probably the best time for everyone to win. Because you there was no Colorado after the first round, no Boston Eastern Conference. If you go forward, you're facing for a cup final. If you go forward, AB Seattle or Dallas, either Carolina or Florida, you could be, be either team. But now, not happening. Nope, because Vegas was really good. Sam, what do you think of the fact that uh, Ken Holland and the Oilers once again failed to get the job done? I think uh, Avery needs to toss me that crystal ball he had because I 
specifically said on May the 3rd, Vegas was going <laughs> to win in six games. And um, I just oh, like yes, to say did. for the record that I was right. Oh, you did. You did. You get to take your victory lap, Sam. Take your victory lap. Um, you Moment in the winner's circle. I mean, I I know a lot of people thought they'd go further. I know they looked deeper than they were last year. They had a better regular season performance than they did, did last year. But a lot of the things we said about the Leafs apply to this Oilers team with, frankly, two fewer core players. Like, two of the best, like, best player in the world, plus Leon Dreisaitl. But I don't think they have the four lines that the Kraken do. They don't have that kind of depth in the roster construction. Um, I was skeptical about their defense all year long. I think it's better than what it was last year, but it's certainly nothing nothing I would write home about. And I'm I'm happy for people to disagree with me on that. But I think also, I think, I think Skinner had a bad round. I, I don't think that has any bearing on his future. I think he's he's clearly won the starter position, but he didn't have, he didn't, he put them in a position where they were constantly behind. Uh, Arun, what do you think? No, I generally agree with like Sam's assessment. Like it seems like the Oilers once again are like a top heavy roster. Sure. They're not the same old, like me, David Dreisaitl, but yeah, it seemed like Stuart Skinner had a bad round goaltending sort of doing them. I think too, like, you know, I did think the Oilers would go further, but I think maybe that's because like the Oilers at their best were probably the most attractive like team left of the final eight. You know, when they play at their best, they look like no team can beat them. You know, I th- so I think the sort of the ceiling they had is higher than any team left. And I think that's sort of disappointing because when Leon Dreisaitl two weeks ago, every time he touched the puck, it was in the net. So I wonder what the shooting regression numbers look like. But yeah, I mean... I would still tend to be, I would tend to be less pessimistic though about the Oilers. Like I think this still was like a pretty good year. Your captain in soon to be unanimous MVP is only 26 years old. You know, I think there's a lot more that would be said. I'm not, you know, totally familiar with like how much, you know, depth the Oilers can add in free agency, you know, with their cap situation, but I think they seem to be fine. So I think there are a lot of positives you can drop in Oilers, particularly like Evan Bouchard's development into like a legitimate like top end defenseman. Like that was really sort of cool to see. I think the Matias Ekholm trade for all the you know hard time we've given Kevin Holland, rightfully so, turned out to be one of the best deadline moves of the year. So I think there are a lot of positive takeaways. I think next year, however, that's when we get into Take City, where it's like, when does McDavid win his ring? When does Leon Dreisaitl get his ring? In the same way that people gave LeBron, I use LeBron as a constant example because in terms of North American sports parallels, like guys who've exceeded the preposterous hype around them, uh, like teenage prodigies, like LeBron's the only thing even close to McDavid. Well, when LeBron was 28 or 27, people started giving him hell for not winning rings. It's, It's getting to that point in McDavid's career next year where it's like time to get into the hot take bakery and just be like, Time to win a ring. But I do think there is, like, reasons to be optimistic about this Weathers team. Uh, they play a really fun style of game. And it just seems like from the outside looking in, like, they had one bad period and Jonathan March so went crazy and that was it for them. But sometimes True. it's like that. Before, before Avery goes off, I do think, I think for whatever reason, people really are underestimating Vegas this year. Yeah, like, they, they are. They finished first in the West and everyone's like, oh, how did they beat the Oilers like this is a team that didn't have Mark Stone for most of the season 
they're playing like five different goaltenders, but somehow Brassois and Hill have been excellent. Like people are writing off Vegas for no apparent reason to me whatsoever. Like Mark Stone has been unbelievable these playoffs. I think Jack it's the, too. even on the goaltending, like I think you nailed it. Like no one really thought their goaltenders would be that good. And they are. Brassois went into the playoffs. I think the last six games he played at a 0.946 stretch. He got them into that position. They have like five, like, because they have Brassois, they have Aiden Hill. They haven't even used Jonathan Quick in the playoffs yet. Yuri Patera is there. I don't even think Logan Thompson is healthy enough to like play yet. I think they've kind of ruled him out. Like he, like they just have all these goal. Like there's one thing to have like, okay, I I say all the time, like you don't need the goaltender. You need a goaltender. The Kings have like five different guys they could use, which is insane. But yeah, I I think goaltending was a big question mark for those guys, but you're right. We have underrated the Vegas Golden Knights. I think there was some shakiness in the regular season that kind of, at least for me, kind of turned me off from them as a veritable contender. That's why I was so high on Winnipeg in that first round. That's why I thought the Oilers were going to dispose of them in the second round. I wonder what they do in the third round if they end up against a, well, by the time you get this, we will know if they will go up against a Seattle or a Dallas, but like they might, they're going in as the favorite in that series. It's hard to disrespect them now after what they've done. The Vegas Golden Knights, as somebody else tweeted this, the Vegas Golden Knights have won nine playoff series since their inception. Yep. I made this point. I made this point on another podcast the other day. Imagine being a fan of like Vancouver and Calgary and all these other franchises where you've been mismanaged to hell and teams like Seattle and Vegas in like little to no time have figured it out. I don't have to imagine this. This is my daily existence. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, don't don't tell certain people, you know, it's good because, you know, oh, real hockey fans are in Canada. Real hockey fans don't care about the city. Shut the hell up. People who are saying this have never, ever been inside or outside T-Mobile in Vegas. Of course they haven't. Dude, Dude. (laughs) T-Mobile Arena. I I haven't been to every single arena in the league, and I would love to do that. T-Mobile Arena is one of my favorite rinks Mm -hmm. to go. The atmosphere is beautiful. The fans outside, as you mentioned, they are there. They're loud. They're energetic. The in-game presentation before the damn game starts. It's one of the best things in the league. It's awesome. It's a cool place to play. And every so often, you randomly have Lil John in the third. Yes, period. For no reason, <laughs> random celebrities there. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't like people who are being all upset and pissy because we have Florida, Carolina, Vegas, and insert one between Dallas and Seattle here in this conference final. Like, if we want this game to be more popular and 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 not just be kind of buried amongst the big four. Shouldn't we root for something like this? Shouldn't this be something cool? Like, this is an opportunity. Like, we can all go back into our own respective fandoms and look back at a cup run that either that either solidified us as hockey fans or or at least you know, we saw other people do the same thing or just distinct memories that will stay with us for a long time, just kind of nurturing the love, the love we have for the game of hockey. There's an opportunity for all four of those teams to have that solidified because of a run mm-hmm. like this. And it just so happens to be in so-called non-traditional markets and it just so happens none of them are canadian whatever it doesn't matter it shouldn't matter so shout out the little guys in this case the market size thing is just absolutely hilarious like as i shared in the zone time like group chat like when has this been like as my like friend zoom said like when has this become like a sports debate topic like who cares like you're not part of the ownership group is anyone gonna be like oh wow like we're going to see Carolina and Vegas in the final. Two teams of one division. There's not enough star power there. Like, 
as long as the hockey's good, like what else matters? Do you really are you really looking at Nielsen ratings to like determine <laughs> your enjoyment of the game? It, it's so bizarre to me. Like you you got one of the Nielsen boxes in your in your, right. in your living group. <laughs> No, but like I seriously can't imagine like Greg Sansoni being like upset if he gets like a Carolina Vegas final. Like I just I just don't understand that. And why is that like of any public interest of the fans? Like this idea, like oh, we would all be dreaming of like a Rangers Kings final. Like I I guess like I guess I mean, we, we got that team. final already. How well did that do in terms of ratings? Like as long as the hockey's good, that's all that matters. And, like, there seems to be, like, four good teams. Seattle, like, leads the NHL in five and five goals. Like, Dallas was in the final in 2020. Carolina has been, like, knocking at the door for so long, you know. I just, like, I don't understand the – and then Florida, again, won the President's Trophy last year, had the Team of Destiny vibes after knocking out the Bruins and Leafs. Like, there are four good storylines or five good storylines still available left in this – in the playoffs – and the idea that it's because of, like the lack of market size is going to hurt, like I don't understand it, man. Like especially like sports journalists just parroting this points about how oh television executives are going to be scared. Like okay, man, I don't know what to tell you. Then like go work in like television programming, I guess, and not journalism or not like content creation. It's just it's a hilarious thing to be preoccupied with. Like it's a fun. I agree with Arun entirely. Like it's a fundamental misunderstanding of what draws people to the game. Like. All you have to do, I know we talked about this already a few weeks ago, but all you have to do is look at that Tony X thread from St. Louis, right? The game sells itself. You have this sport that is inherently fast, beautiful. Like it is just fun to watch and focusing on all these extraneous things about who, like which fan bases deserve to win the cup and like what is a traditional market? Like who cares? This sport sells itself. And somehow they managed to ruin that year in, year out. It shouldn't be this hard. No, like it really and, should not be. And people say Reagan's going to be bad for it. Did you forget the era of NHL on Versus? That was a Reagan in the toilet. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, oh my I mean, look, God. I think all four of us live in cities where there's an extremely passionate fan base. But, like, like if the Maple Leafs were ever to win – or ever advanced to a cup final, I promise you I'm not thinking, oh, we're the third largest market in the NHL. Like, that is, like, maybe the 15th point that we brought up. I'm sure that'd be the same if the Canucks went to the final or if the Oilers went to the final or if the Flames or Habs went to the final. Like, you know, would anybody be thinking about, oh, wow, it's so nice that a big market team advanced? It's, it's, I don't, I don't, I don't get it, man. I don't. I don't. We 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 could do another hour talking about how ridiculous this topic is, but we do have to go. Uh, we'll be back next week when we'll uh, talk about uh, the fact that that there's no Canadian team. Oh no! What are we gonna do? Uh, we'll find a way to make it work. <laughs> Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, however you consume the podcast, wherever you consume the podcast. Uh, Arun, thank you as always for tapping in. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Avery, and thank you for listening or watching. However you watch this show. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode of Zone Time. Enjoy the rest of the postseason. Peace. Yeah. 
sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.